doors take us to summers away. Or winter adventures. And afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity Advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast. And it's the last Peter King Podcast, Miles Simmons. I think we're both going to cry at the end of this one, but uh, it's a pleasure (laughs) to have you on from Indianapolis. I am in my home office in Brooklyn, my home studio, Brooklyn, New York. You're in Indianapolis to preview the Combine. I am in Brooklyn to preview retirement. So, Let's tell everybody what we got on this podcast. No guest today. I'm the guest. How special is that? Um, we are going to talk about retirement in the first segment. And then in the back half, we're going to talk about uh, what Miles has seen so far at the Combine and what he is going to see at the Combine. We're going to talk about the Chicago Brain Trust, Matt Eberflus, and Ryan Poles on the quarterbacks in this draft, and on their own quarterback, Justin Fields, Sean Payton, and George Payton, the coach and GM of the Denver Broncos, on the almost surely gone Russell Wilson, Brett Veach of the Kansas City Chiefs, the general manager on trying to keep his two big defensive stars, Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed, and a very interesting story, I think, and a good story. Cleveland Browns are going to submit a rules proposal to move the trading deadline back and to make it possible for teams to get better later in the season than at midseason. And finally, uh, I'm very interested in what a lot of these athletes are going to do at the scouting combine and what some of them may not do. We're going to talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. a bit. Uh, the top receiver in this draft, some would say, many would say, uh, who's got a bit of an unorthodox way of doing his combine experience this year. Miles, welcome. How's life in Indianapolis? I hear it's unseasonably warm these days. Yeah, it is unseasonably warm, and I have this, you know, nice puffy vest, basically for no reason other than, I guess, my own, you know, comfort. It's like it's like Linus's blue blanket. I just I expected to need to wear it, so now I'm just wearing it, and we'll see if it eventually comes off. But yeah, it's been 70 degrees the last two days, which is just a little bit unexpected for Indianapolis in late February. But hey, I'll take it. I think it's hotter here than it is in Santa Monica right now, which is just blowing my mind a little bit that is a little bit nutty well anyway you're looking very hawkin today i'll just say that 
Now, um, Miles, so in the first part of our program, uh, I'm going to be selfish, and I'm going to discuss some of the things that happened over the last year that led me to make the decision to, on Monday of this week, to announce my retirement. And I must say my retirement with an asterisk, because I'm going to do something. I just don't know what it is right now. Um, I, I don't have any idea if it's going to be in the media, if it's going to be, I, I just don't know. This is a pretty new thing for me, so we'll figure it out as we go. But Monday was my last sort of regular column. Next Monday in Football Morning in America, I'm going to run far too many reactions to me retiring from all over the world. So anyway, that's where I am right now. And so, you know, I've been doing this podcast in one form or another for about seven years. I started it late uh, in my career at Sports Illustrated, and I really enjoyed doing the podcast genre. It was really a lot of fun. And over the years, it's become a little bit different, adding guests and having co-hosts and things like that. So uh, it, it has been a very, very enjoyable thing. And I know there are some of you who may not read the column and so really don't know very much other than what you might have heard or seen or maybe haven't heard or seen anything at all. But I did, at age 66, announce my retirement on Monday of this week. And let's just go into that, and then I'm going to let Miles be Bob Costas and just ask me a few questions on this. Or maybe <laughs> he'll be Mike Florio and ask me some questions that will really tick me off. But anyway, <laughs> let's, I'll just preface it by basically saying that, you know, a year or so ago I was sitting in the winning coach's locker room in uh, Arizona, after the Kansas City Chiefs beat Philadelphia to win the Super Bowl. And I had arranged beforehand that if there was a special play in the game that Andy Reid would explain it to me after the game on camera with my videographer, Andy Koblitz. So we're in his office, and uh, he explains the play to me, corn dog, and it's really good. And I then say to him, hey, there had been a lot of rumors and a lot of buzz all week. Could this be it for Andy Reid? And I just said, quite honestly, I said, hey, are you retiring? And he goes, are you? <laughs> and it was a very difficult question because I didn't want to lie, but I also didn't want to be on camera with an answer either. So I just sort of clammed up and we didn't run whatever, oh, ah, oh, ah, ah, that I said on video because I honestly was thinking about it at that point and I just didn't know. So fast forward to a family vacation that we took to Hawaii um, in the spring and our whole family was there. My daughter, Laura, her wife, Kim, their two kids, my daughter, Mary Beth, her husband, Nick, uh, and, and their son, and me and my wife, Ann, were there. Uh, along with Kim's mom, you know, came to help with the kids. So anyway, um, at one point I said, look, I want to have a family meeting. And I basically said, we have three choices here. I'm either going to keep doing this job, I'm going to quit right now, or I'm going to quit at the end of next year. 
and let's have some thoughts. So everybody gave their thoughts. Some thoughts were, will you please stop doing this? You get sick every year. You're 65 years old. Come on, be realistic. Start being a grandfather, all that. And then it came around to Nick, who is one of the quietest but wisest people in my life. I love him to death. And I said, Nick, what do you think? And he goes, so how many years have you covered the NFL? 39. And do you still really like your job? I said, I love my job. There are some things that annoy me about it, but I love my job. I still really like doing my job. And he goes, well, if you love your job, why wouldn't you make it an even 40 years and then just leave at the end of that? And I said, out of the mouths of Nick. And (laughs) I just thought it was a great point by him. If you still love doing what you're doing and you can take all the things that kind of tick you off about it, then keep doing it. So I sort of thought leaving Hawaii... I definitely would work this year, but it probably would be my last year. And then as the year went on, I was pretty sure it would be my last year. And then we get to December. And the, the coach coaching carousel starts to spin. And I thought to myself, okay, so this is the time of year where there's four or five coaches, agents who know what's going on. And every year I call them around this time of year and I say, hey, what's going on? What do you hear? What's happening? Who likes who? What's, who who's, who's the hot guy? Who's this? And I just said to myself, I absolutely do not want to do this. I have no desire to find out who the hot guy is, who the hot coordinator is. And so I just said, that's not a good sign. And then... As I thought ahead toward, well, you know, if I did upset the apple cart and decide to leave, what would that decide to stay? What would that mean? And then I started thinking of the um, the uh, the postseason. And I said, oh, my God, I do not want to go to the scouting combine. I just don't want to do it. And you know what? I love the scouting combine because it gives you the opportunity to see people late at night having a beer or a glass of wine and having a conversation with them far off the record about what really is happening. It's, it, it, I, I love the combine. I've loved it for years. But the bottom line is I don't like working at 1 o'clock in the morning anymore at all. I certainly don't like writing at 1 o'clock. I don't like drinking at 1 o'clock. I don't like doing anything really other than sleeping at 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> So I don't want to do that. So I said, okay, well, you better quit right after the season or else you're going to the combine, buddy. So anyway, that's basically the story. And honestly, Miles, I feel great about my decision. I have no idea what's going to happen, but you know what? Sometimes in life, mystery is good. And that's my story. And now you get to have three questions or however many you want. But I just figured... Enough about me. Let's move on. But anyway, go ahead. Wait. Enough about me. Ask me questions about me. Is that's pretty <laughs> much what's going? 
to happen here. Um, before I do that, though, I, I you got to be selfish for a little bit, so I'll be selfish, too, since I, I have this opportunity and say what a thrill it has been for me these last two years to, to get to work with you and to get to do this podcast, this last iteration of this. I mean, it, it, it's been an unbelievable experience. And I, I put this on Twitter the other day, but, you know, sometimes you get to meet your heroes. You know, I, I've been reading you, Peter, basically since I could read about football, right? And, you know, you've been doing this longer than I've been alive. And so it has been an absolute pleasure, an absolute honor for me to be able to do this show with you. And, you know, like I said, sometimes you meet your heroes, sometimes you get to work with your heroes, and that experience is better than you could have ever imagined. So I, from the bottom of my heart, I, I, I thank you for that. Um, so now I'll get to ask you thank a question. You, of course. Um, when did you feel like this was something that you could do professionally as, a, as an NFL reporter? And when you started that, what did you think your ceiling could be and how has the experience actually lived up to that? Wow. Well, when I first started doing this in 1984, I didn't think anything other. I, I think one of the things that I tell young writers about this all the time is don't think about the next job. Don't, don't do it. Take the job that you have and do the absolute best job from the time you wake up in the morning till the time you go to sleep. And you know what? Other jobs, that'll take care of itself. I never one time in my life went looking for a job. Jobs came looking for me. And I don't mean to say, oh, what a great guy I am, but I learned at an early age, it used to really bug me that I would see an NFL writer on the road somewhere and he said, hey, do you know anybody at such and such a paper? Do you know anybody who might be able to help me with the sports editor at such and such a paper? I really want to get the job there, all that. And it used to drive me crazy. Just dominate your beat and be great and then, you know, see what happens. So I never thought to myself, the day that Mark Mulvoy of Sports Illustrated called me in 1989, I never won moment in my life, not a moment, ever thought, man, I aspire to work at Sports Illustrated. I just never thought that because honestly, I thought it was impossible. And so that's, that's the thing, Miles. I've always just felt like I'm going to do the best job I can. And then o over the years, I've gotten to meet my heroes in the business, Will McDonough, Peter Gammons, um, and you know the, some of the older guys like that worked with Paul Zimmerman. And I just always tried to take advice from them and tried to learn from them and watch them. Not necessarily what they said, but what they did. One of the things I loved about Will McDonough, you know, who's the old uh, information guy columnist for the Boston Globe, is that he would just sort of lay behind at the press conferences. But after the press conferences... He would go up and get Pete Roselle or Paul Tagliabue by himself. And I would think to myself, how does he do that? How has he done that? I can't do that. Well, no crap, Sherlock. You're a wet behind the ears <laughs> kid who they barely even know. So just continue every day to do the best job you can. And Bill Walsh once wrote a, score, once, once wrote a book, the score takes care of itself, or the scoreboard takes care of itself, I forget. Mm -hmm. And that's how I always felt about this job. However far I go, I go. But every day, 
the people who I who employ me are going to get my absolute best. What are two or three things, or maybe one to three things, let's call it, that you feel you are most proud of that you've accomplished in this business? I am really proud of the fact that in the most competitive sports industry, sports media industry in the United States, that I can do things that I feel like other people in our business can't do. I feel like I have set myself up over the years to be able to do things like sit in the coach's office after the game and have Andy Reid tell me about the play that won the game, Uh, drive to work with Kyle Shanahan the week before the Super Bowl and dive into his, his brain be able to get guys like Patrick Mahomes to talk to me when it's hard to get Patrick Mahomes for reporters to talk to them. That's kind of one of the things I'm I'm proud of. But the other thing is, Miles, I wrote this in my column on Monday. One of the things that I I just love doing more than anything else is to take a play in the game that 120 million people saw and to dissect it in my column so that it's 6 o'clock Eastern time, 5.30 Eastern time, when people wake up the morning after the Super Bowl, they can look at my column and they're going to know exactly what, where did that winning play come from? How did it start? What happened? What are the roots of it? What's the birth point of it? And probably those are the two things as I think about it right now that I'm most proud of. Well, I'll say this too. You know, I think one of the ways that we can tell a person's impact on the business is by the reactions of all of the people, you know, who have said really, really nice things about you over the last day or day or two. And even today, I don't know if you saw this, but Eric DaCosta, the general manager of the Baltimore Ravens, started his press conference by basically giving you a shout out to your retirement. So I think, you know, if we oh, want to talk about, that. yeah, if we want to talk about impact, that that's something that I think is, is really, really cool. Wow. Well, that's nice. Well, look, Miles, truly enough about me. I mean, <laughs> isn't 25 minutes enough about me? Yes, it is. And we're now going to move on. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the 2024 NFL scouting combine. Miles is there. I'm not. He's the reporter on the scene, and I am going to interview the living tar out of Miles Simmons right after this. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
So we're back on the Peter King Podcast. Me in Brooklyn, Miles Simmons in Indianapolis at the Scouting Combine. Miles, let's start with the story that just won't die, and it won't die until the Chicago Bears make a decision on what to do. What did we learn from the press availabilities of the general manager of the Bears, Ryan Poles, uh, and the head coach of the Bears, Matt Eberflus? Yeah, both of those guys uh, were speaking today to reporters, and what Ryan Pohl said is that there basically is no master plan, right, that he can share with the world right now when it comes to quarterback. And Eberflus was basically talking about a lot of things that he looks for in QBs, what are the traits, what are leadership, this and that. I mean, it's not clear what they're going to do right now, and they don't want to tip their hand right now, which I think makes plenty of sense. When you own the number one overall pick and you also own another top ten pick, you really do have the the draft basically in your hands. So whether they end up trading Justin Fields, I still tend to think that they should and that they eventually will – or not, you know, this is something that the Bears are going to have control over until they actually end up making that move. I I find it fascinating right now, Peter, just to hear what they're saying because it's like they're giving sort of answers, right? But they cannot give full answers because if they did, then that would reveal a little bit too much, you know? Well, Miles, one quick story to me that is interesting is that one year ago, I sat in Ryan Pohl's hotel suite at the Hyatt in downtown Indianapolis on Saturday around noon, and I had about 45 minutes with him, and he told me basically, here's what I'm thinking. Not exactly what I'm thinking, but here's what I'm thinking. If we trade the pick, if we keep the pick, all that stuff. He went over everything. And the next person to follow, or the person who followed me into the suite a few minutes later, I found out later, was Scott Fitterer, the general manager of the Carolina yeah. Panthers. That is where that deal, uh, the basis of that deal basically got done. And let me just explain one thing about that and why it is significant. So there's a lot of coaches who don't go to the scouting combine. It's a mistake if general managers don't go to the scout in, scouting combine, in my opinion, because what happens at the scouting combine is that uh, you know, the, the, it's, it's laid out that you can actually make a trade with Team X or Team Y, not just for the first pick in the draft, but you want to find out what other teams are thinking about their pick or picks. So I think this is a vital week for the future of Justin Fields in Chicago. And it's a vital week because what if... Nobody gives, and I can't believe nobody will give, a great offer to try to move up to get Caleb Williams. I can't believe that. And look, it could be that the Bears have decided we're going to keep this pick and get rid of uh, Justin Fields. That's possible too. But, Miles, my point all along has been if they trade this pick in this year's draft and next year's draft, the Bears could have a total of eight or nine picks in the first two rounds to totally rebuild their team. And you and I have a disagreement on this. I would rather have a B quarterback with a team around him that is like the Kansas City Chiefs. 
than have an A quarterback with a team that has six major holes, including two on the offensive line. Anyway, oh. uh, do you, you, you bumped do you his grade up away from a little today? bit from last week. Go uh, that's Go all I'm going to say. Last week he was B minus C plus. Now he's a B. So that's okay. a little bit different. All right, here. let's give him a B minus. <laughs> let's give him a B minus. But Miles, do you leave there, or do do you do you as you sit here right now? Do you have a gut feeling? on on the Bears and what they're going to do or not? I mean, I my gut feeling is that they will keep the pick and trade Justin Fields. And I think the other thing that they could do if they do that, they have the number nine overall pick that is their original pick. Obviously, they got the one pick from uh, the Carolina Panthers in making the trade last year. But if you have that number nine overall pick and you want to move down again, you still can, and you can pick up more premium picks that way too. So just because they they end up keeping the number one overall pick doesn't mean that they can't pick up more premium picks and still stock up their team that way as well. The one other thing that Ryan Pohl said at the Combine that that I read about anyway is that they really would like to, out of respect for Justin Fields, make a decision by the start of free agency because obviously teams are going to start making decisions on their quarterbacks. Uh, And it's only fair to Justin Fields that he be there at the start of that decision-making process. Let's say the Atlanta Falcons really like Justin Fields but don't think they're going to get him, so then they go and pay a ransom for Kirk Cousins. Well, I mean, maybe they really don't want to do that. But anyway, I think that is a very fair thing for the Bears to do. Miles, any other interesting quarterback news out of the early interviews that you uh, can share with us or any other gut feelings you have on the quarterback market, whether it be a college player, whether it be Russell Wilson, what's your gut feeling right now? Yeah, Russell Wilson, it just seems like he is going to be released at some point in the next two weeks by the Denver Broncos. So Sean Payton was asked about anything like a timeline, something like that with Russell Wilson today. And I was at that press conference and he basically said, yeah, I think we'll have a resolution in the next within the next two weeks. He didn't necessarily use the word resolution, it was a decision, I think. But that's basically what it is. And I, if you look at it, I mean, it seems like it will be one of those post-June 1 a release designation so that they can spread out that cap hit. But clearly it did not work out between the Broncos and Russell Wilson. I mean, say what you want about whatever happened in 2022, but then you come in in 2023 with Sean Payton, and it was significantly better, but it obviously was not what Sean Payton wanted it to be. So that's going to be interesting. How do they not only get rid of Russell Wilson, are they going to release him? So then what's the future with Russell Wilson, right? Where does he go? He doesn't necessarily need to take a huge contract because he's already got a lot of money coming to him that was guaranteed to him by the Denver Broncos before. And then for the Broncos themselves, you know, are they going to end up drafting a quarterback? You know, what are the kinds of things that they're going to look for in a QB? And how are they going to be able to pick one of those guys up? That's going to be really interesting to see how Sean Payton can now develop another person into being a franchise quarterback like he was able to do with Drew Brees. And yes, Drew Brees had had plenty of success with San Diego before he went to New Orleans, but it's not like we were talking about Drew Brees as one of the top QBs of his era before he started working with Sean Payton in New Orleans. So I, that, that's something that really fascinates me. In my opinion, I, I agree with you, Miles. I don't see any way that 
Russell Wilson stays. I think the best place for him is Pittsburgh. I hope for him personally that he gets there, and I hope for the Steelers that he gets there because I just don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers, in a division with Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow, I just don't think you can go into your, into your season with Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph battling it out for the starting job. I don't mind if one of those guys wins the job fair and square, but let's have a little bit better competition baseline than just those two guys. Let's add somebody with some pelts on the wall like Russell Wilson. Um, I want to ask you, Brett Veach, the Kansas City general manager, and and Andy Reid are also at the scouting combine. What are you hearing? What are your thoughts about them being able to keep Chris Jones, the defensive tackle, Legereus Sneed, the cornerback, or both? Well, Brett Veach talked about it today. He said that really it is a priority to keep both of those guys, and he mentioned using a tag in order to make that happen, right? So that's something that they have as a tool in the toolbox, the franchise tag or the transition tag, which is not necessarily something that we think about when we think about tags, right? But if you do utilize the transition tag, then you still have that kind of right of first refusal if somebody is able to reach an agreement on the open market. I I think that's something that, to me, makes a little bit more sense if they were to use that on Sneed. So what Veach said, basically, was that Chris Jones is first on the list. So that also makes sense to me, just based on the way things went with them last year, trying to renegotiate that contract. Weren't able to get it done, obviously. Chris Jones sat out that first game against the Detroit Lions, then came back and played so well across the season I mean really could have been MVP of the Super Bowl if you didn't want to give it to Patrick Mahomes he is that good and he is that much of a game changer he obviously wants to stay in Kansas City I mean he would not have been on stage at the parade you know talking about I'm going to be here next year and the year after that and year after that if he didn't want to be there and so a lot of times when a team wants the player the player also wants to be there they're going to figure out a way to get it done they just haven't done it yet so what beach said and this is to your point about why the combine is important well all the agents are here so beach said you're going to sit down with some of those guys those agents have those discussions you know so that we can start getting the ball rolling on a potential deal with a chris jones with a luxurious need so they definitely want to keep both of those guys And when you have somebody who is an elite rusher and you also have somebody who's an elite corner, those are basically the cornerstones of crafting elite defense. And we know that the Chiefs were that in 2023. You know, I was going to say one thing, Miles, and I just want to hear your gut feeling on this. I wonder if the salary cap jumping in a gargantuan way is going to hurt them We've already heard Chris Jones saying, I want to be there, I want to be there. I could see them giving Chris Jones one year, pick a number, it's, it's absurd, $32 million, I don't know. But getting him to come back to try for the three-peat. But I don't know, if you're Legereus Sneed, you have to understand, like a lot of people would say, well, why would Legereus Sneed leave? And obviously, he wouldn't want to leave. But here's the point. Legereus Sneed and most veteran players get one shot one shot yes other than quarterbacks other than quarterbacks get one shot at a huge contract yes so if you're Legereus Sneed and this is your one shot you have no idea four years from now 
how many injuries you'll have, will your ability have, have slipped at all, what will happen. So you're almost at the point where if Kansas City offers you $22 million a year, four years, 88, a lot of guaranteed money, whatever, but somebody else offers you four years, 105, as much as you don't want to do that, part of you is probably going to be thinking, this is it for me. There's nothing guaranteed after this contract. And if I'm only going to hit it one time, I've got to do the best I can. And that's why, and people should not begrudge Legereus Sneed at all. Um, again, Chris Jones, a little bit of a different story. He's already said, I'm going to be here, all that. So you know where his heart is and all that. And plus, if you're Chris, Chris Jones, I wouldn't mind signing one year, 30, 32 million, whatever, and then hitting the open market when I still have some prime left. But, Miles, last thing I would ask you, your hometown Cleveland Browns made an interesting proposal. Explain it to the Peter King podcast audience. Well, what they want to do is move the trade deadline back a couple of weeks from week 8 to week 10. Now, this, I think, is a great idea, A, because... I just have always felt like the trading deadline in the NFL is just a little bit too early. I mean, if you consider what it is for basketball, what it is for baseball, it's later in the season, I mean, especially in baseball. You know, you got it at the end of July. And so having it early on does not necessarily behoove teams, right? It doesn't benefit teams, I guess I should really say. Uh, so that's one thing that I think is really good about it. I mean, now when you have guys that get released – Right later on in the season, they go on waivers. They don't necessarily have, you know, the ability to control where they go and all these different types of things. I just I love having a proposal like this because I think it would make the game better. You know, when you actually are able to trade assets for a veteran player who may be on an expiring contract, or you have a player who whose option you fifth year option you didn't pick up, and he's not necessarily going to be a part of the team's plans the next year. Well. If you have a couple extra weeks just to see what the landscape is in the NFL, what if your team is actually good enough to be a buyer or if your team is bad enough to be a seller, I think that really can benefit everybody in the long run. So I, I love the proposal, and not just because I'm from Cleveland. I think it's a great idea. The longer you can wait, the better. Baseball's trade deadline being two-thirds of the way through the season is so much of a better idea because yeah. you have a great idea two-thirds of the way through the season, exactly where you are. And in football, halfway through the season, you have a decent idea, but not altogether great. Miles Simmons, thanks so much for the last two years. Thanks for this particular podcast where you've educated us on what's, what's going on on the ground in Indianapolis. So thank you for that. Thanks for being there for me for the last couple of years. And everyone out there, thanks a lot for being part of my life over the last several years doing a podcast. I've enjoyed it. I'm going to miss you. Who knows? Maybe <clears throat> one day I'll be doing a podcast on the NFL, on something else. I have no clue. But anyway, I've appreciated my time I've spent with you. Thanks for listening to this episode and every episode of the Peter King Podcast. Farewell to all, and thanks for being a great audience.